Man, good morning. I'm going to be really honest with you. I could have stayed right there the rest of the day. Uh, that, um, that messed me up in the best of ways. Hopefully I can get it together. You guys have a little grace this morning, don't you? Hopefully. Because that was so good. Oh my gosh. In fact, when we, when we started with come and take your place, man, oh my gosh. I had the picture of Jesus in the back room of the throne and him sitting down. And I really, but it's not in my notes, it's just happened. I, I really believe, I really believe we make this life too hard. The world is hard. I think we make our life in Jesus way too hard. And we think that there's so many things that we have, and we're, this, is, this is all this series, right? That there's, we think there's so many things we have to do to get Jesus right in our life. And it says that he is enthroned on the praises of his people. He took his place on the throne as we just worshiped it's that simple and I don't know how this is going to work in my notes so I'll say it right now that in our home sometimes we think you know we've got this to do and that to do and work and all the things and of course we do we have all those things things to do but taking time in our homes to just praise them on our own dads in the room the authority that you carry to enthrone Jesus in your house Moms, as you're thinking about your kids going to school the next day, or maybe they're grown and whatever they're doing, you can enthrone Jesus right where he is, right where you are. You can enthrone him right where you are just by giving him praise. Isn't that amazing? It's so, it's so cool. It's like the coolest. Um, whew, okay, let's get into this. Uh, I, I can guarantee you one thing today. I, I know this without a doubt. Today is going to be the most inspiring, the most amazing message that you've ever heard at Declaration this year. <laughs> that I know is true. I actually do. I think 2024 is going to be super exciting. It's going to be exciting like your first day at a college campus. Or for those of you that played football, first day of two days. It's super exciting. You know it's going to be hard. You know, you're going to be a little sore, a lot sore. You know it's going to be hot or cold or whatever it may be, but you know that you're getting ready for something that is so much fun. That's actually, it's, it's well, to quote uh, a great movie uh, and one of my favorite lines in A League of Their Own, when she says, it's so hard, and he said, the hard is what makes it great. That's 2024. The heart is what makes it great. That's not, that's not a, a, a downer. This is exciting, right? This is exciting. This is when we get to see Jesus move. That's what we should be looking forward to in 2024. In, uh, uh, in Revelation 3.20, I believe this was something that happened last year. It's always happening, but I, I, think, I think it happened last year. It says this, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will, and we will share a meal together as friends. He came, he knocked, we opened the door. I think 2024 is Revelations, uh, Revelation 4, 1, the very next chapter, the first verse. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here. 
And I will show you what must happen after this. That's what I think 2024 is. I think God has opened his door to say, come up here. Come be with me. I believe he's saying that the next steps are on us. That's what I, that's what I think he's saying. He said, I think he's saying, hey, I, I have. And I think if you look past and back in 2023 in your life, I bet you can look back and see, okay, God was asking me to do this and do this and do this and do this or not do this and not do this or whatever it may be, right? God's giving us direction. And right now he's saying, now you come up here and now we get to make the choice. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I really believe that's where we are. Last week, um, I gave a message called Crown the Year. It's the, the, the Sunday after Christmas. And in that, the Lord took me for 2024, took me to Psalm 24, um, verses 3 and 4. And it says this, um, in, in paraphrase, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord and stand in his holy place? Those with, a clean, those with clean hands and a pure heart. We only get clean hands from Jesus. That's where we get clean hands from right? We're all of sin, all have fallen short. So we're all in this together. A pure heart, a pure motive. We are, we are starting this new series called Magnificent Obsession. And he must, he must be our obsession. He must be our magnificent obsession. Let's look at those two words real quick. Um, from Oxford, it says this, it says, uh, Magnificent, impressively beautiful, elaborate, extravagant. It comes from the Latin word magnus, which means great or making great. That's magnificent. Obsession, the state of being obsessed with someone or something. Now, can I just stop one second and have a rant? Why do we define words with the word? <laughs> I don't understand that. I need to know the definition. Oh, well, here, it's the word. That doesn't make any sense. You know, when I was a kid, um, I used to, this is, a, this is a side note. When I was a kid, um, I would say, my mom was a school teacher, and I would say, well, mom, I don't know how to spell whatever, you know. And, um, and she would say, well, go look it up in the dictionary. <laughs> Took me six years to find psychologist. <laughs> like, come on, oh my gosh. Hey, do you know why uh, you can never tell when a psychologist is in the bathroom? Never mind, that's terrible. That's... <laughs> Potty humor is not ever funny. If you don't get it, if you don't know it, it's fine. Somebody will tell you later. Wow. Let's get back on track. Here we go. Magnificent obsession. He must be our magnificent obsession. And in fact, Jesus, I believe the scriptures, I believe Jesus makes it very clear that he must he must be our obsession. Jesus is the most dogmatic person in ever, to ever live. He's the one that said it's me or nothing. You, you, only get, you only get to the Father. You only get to heaven. You only, you only get there through me. God's, God shares no thrones. So uh, idolatry. Idolatry is simply something that has taken up a, a throne in our lives that actually belongs to Jesus. He shares no thrones. Uh, in Romans 8, check this out. This is, this is super cool. This is in the New King James. It says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. 
an enemy against God, let's say it that way. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can, it, can, uh, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We must be spiritually minded. I want to read it in the message, the message paraphrase. It says this. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Let that sink in for just a moment. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing, and God is pleased. God is, God is not pleased at being ignored. Our culture, the American culture, and I talked a little bit about this last week, so it's kind of a continuation, but our culture is obsessed with self. In fact, you can write a book on how to improve yourself and sell a lot of copies. You can write a book on how to pray and spend time with God and, and die to self and you won't sell too many copies. Isn't that crazy? You know, when, for us to find our obsessions uh, in life, there's, there's, a, there's actually, there's a few ways to do it, but one really easy way is let's check our, let's look at our checking account balance and let's look at our calendar. We spend our time and our energy on what we're obsessed with. We all do. And so we can go there and look and see, oh my gosh, look. And here's the thing. Um, when, I, when I say self, um, well, obviously we're going to talk a lot about that today. But in, in the New King James Version, remember, it was talking about things of the flesh, things of the world. Okay, things of the flesh, things of the world, things of man. We're going to talk about all of those things today. And they're all lumped together. And what we, what we must do is change our, our mind, change our thought processes to no longer be on the things of this world, but to be on the things of God. In Mark uh, 8.33, it says, um, well, let me catch you up before we get there. It might already be up there. That's fine. By the way, do you guys like the new, the new setup? Isn't that awesome? Daniel and his team, they did an amazing job. You guys worked, worked really hard to make that happen. It looks, it looks amazing. Um, and this is all part of you guys setting the table, too. This is part of your generosity and people being able to come in and, and see the lyrics and, and be able to worship. Um, so in Mark 8, this is when uh, Jesus uh, was telling uh, everybody, I've got to die. And Peter, being... Noble, nobly minded, having his, his heart, well, having his mind in, quote unquote, the right place, looks at Jesus and rebukes Jesus. Bad idea, by the way. He's Jesus. Don't rebuke him. But he says, Jesus, may it never be. And what does Jesus say? He says, get behind me, Satan. Your mind is not on the things of God, but on the things of men. You're thinking as a man thinks. I need you to think like God thinks. I'm telling you, I have to die. And I love the fact that, that you feel that way towards me, but 
don't think that way. Get behind me, Satan. That word means adversary. He called Peter adversary. I don't think he actually called Peter that. I think he was calling whatever was speaking to Peter or maybe his thought processes because he obviously loved Peter. But in that moment, what Peter was verbalizing was an enemy to what God was doing, to what had to be done. Your ways are not on, your mind is not on the ways of God, but on the ways of man. That is an enemy to me. Luke 14 says, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. That's a strong statement. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, obviously, we know God is love. Yes? Yes, God is love. And, and it says, uh, we were talking about that this morning, that the greatest commandment and the second is like it is love God with everything that you have and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And all of the commandments are contained in those two. So every commandment is contained in love. Yet here, Jesus says, these are Jesus' words, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. That what, what he's talking about there is, I must be first. I must be first. Listen to who he names. By comparison, you must hate everyone else. Listen to who he names. Your father and your mother, your wife and children, your brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. By comparison, we must hate everything else. What he's saying there is, I need to be so much first in your life. That if I tell you to do something, and by your logical thinking, by your mind's thinking, you think that I don't have everything in your life at my highest priority, and I know what's best. If you think that, I need you to not think that. You can't be my disciple if you think that way. You, you, I have to be first. And then it names all of these people that we know we're supposed to love that we're supposed to protect. How many people in here truly, truly know? Well, you don't have to raise your hand. How many people in here truly know? How many of us really know that God can protect our kids better than we can? Man, I remember, I remember the day when that had to be, it had to become a reality in my life. Remember, I've shared uh, struggles with anxiety and, and, and uh, panic attacks and that sort of thing. And, you know, it was always about self-preservation. And um, I remember the day I, I had kids. They were very young. And I remember getting very scared because I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't go with Britta everywhere she went to help. I couldn't, couldn't be with my kids all the time. And so the Lord in that moment actually took me through this process where, at least in my mind, I, I was able to get to the place of, and this is really harsh, but this is what he's talking about. I got to the place of, okay, Lord, they're yours, and if you want to take them now, I guess I have to be okay with that, and I guess I have to serve you after that no matter what. That was a hard day, but let me tell you what happened after that. Peace, joy, hope. 
the, the, the knowledge that I could be somewhere else and have a thought about Britta or the boys and them being in danger and me in that moment being able to go, God, you're able to protect them right now. Would you just move? Would you send your angels right now, right around them? I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what's going on, but I had this thought. Would you just send your angels and protect them? And then I could walk on with my day knowing that they were fine. This is the God that we serve. He knows everything. He knows every detail of your life. He knows it better than you do. And he's already, it says, it says in Psalm 139 that he wrote all of the days of our lives before we ever lived a single one of them. And in our culture, we get so consumed with, well, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You don't, but he does. And he tells us plainly, don't worry about tomorrow. That don't have enough worries of it. It's just right now. Right now. I actually believe in this morning during worship, that's what we did. I, I would be, I believe that at least the majority of the room, but I, I bet all of us in that moment when we were singing, come and take your place. And some of the other lyrics, that's the one that just reverberates in my head. I believe in that moment, we, I think we were all focused in on who he is and him taking his place on his throne in this place. And peace came, and joy comes, and hope comes. This is the God that we serve. Verse 27 in Luke 14. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. What was the cross to Jesus? It was, he, he literally, literally carried the thing that they were going to use to kill him. And he did, he did it gladly. He did it joyously. He had already been, been beaten. The scripture says that he, had, that he was beaten beyond what was recognizable as being a man. Which, if you saw The Passion of the Christ, and I always make this point, as brutal as that movie was, they almost got it right. Because I could still tell that Jim Caviezel was a man. Jesus was beaten beyond that, recognizable as a man. They, they, they poured it all out on him. And then, what should have killed anyone, he picks up a cross and carries it however far he carried it. Why? He did it joyously so that he could lay down and let them nail him to that thing so that he could give himself up for us. Now, if that's not a reason... For, for us to be obsessed. There's another definition of obsession. Let me go back up to it. It says this, any idea or thought that continually preoccupies or intrudes a person's mind. That's obsession. Any thought or idea that continually comes in, that's got to be God. Well, Aaron, how do we do that? Well, we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But it starts with just a little bit. Everybody knows how you start a new habit. Number one, you start it. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best step is you just start it. And then the next day when you don't want to, what do you do? You do it anyways. And then the next day after that when you don't do it and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. What do you do the day after that? You do it again. That's, that's all it is. 
So how do we, how do we, how do we allow him to intrude our mind? Man, we just start thinking about the things of God. And when things come in that aren't the things of God, we send them the other way. We take, it ca- we take it captive. That's what it says. We take that thought captive. How do you do that? You have a thought that comes in your mind that you know is not from God. You say, that thought is not from God. Maybe it's an insecurity that you have. Maybe it's something else, you know, that has to do with work or life or whatever. You, you look at that thought and you say, you are not from God. You must go. And the truth is, and then you fill it with truth. You, you fill your mind with the truth so that that thought has to leave. And we just do that over and over again. And are we going to fail? Absolutely, we're going to fail. That's, that's the beauty of Jesus. But in that, we will start seeing that the obsession that we have in life is his presence. Verse 28, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Count the cost. Well, what's the cost, Aaron? I'll pay it. It's your life. You have to die. Not physically, but you have to die. We give our, we surrender. Every, everything in the kingdom is surrender, by the way. Um, I, I've I think this describes, at least in my mind, it helps me, is when we start thinking about works and and earning God's love, earning salvation, the only thing that reconciles, at least in, in my little bitty mind, of how to do that is in the kingdom, it must be through surrender. We don't, so hear me, we do give our lives to Christ, okay? So a little grace here. We do give our lives to Christ. But if I walk up to Jesus and I'm like, hey, here's my life. There you go. You can have it. For me, this is just me. And I, I, don't, I don't have any better words than this. So, but for me, it's like, it's, it's like I get to take some credit. But if I surrender, think about being in a, in a war zone or in a battle. And you're overrun, and so you surrender. What do you do? You lay it down, and you qu- you quit. You quit trying to do it in your own, in your own strength. You quit trying to do it in your own intellect. God, I don't know how to do this. God says, I do. Just ask. And He might send you. If there's something in your life that you need to know how to do, he might send you to someone that knows how to do it. They might be able to give you some steps to follow. And there might also be a time where he says, just trust me right now. Do that. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. I want to get there. Ah, just, just do this. But I, I got to be able to run that marathon. Okay, well, you're going to die if you go run that marathon. So why don't you try running around the block? But God, that's not going to, that's not, I'm not going to feel that tomorrow. Oh, yes, you will. It's been a couple years. Go run around the block. Just, we just trust him. And what's so amazing is as he becomes our obsession, as he becomes the thought and the idea that continually comes into our minds, life gets good, gooder. That's my new favorite word. I've used it a couple times now. Gooder. 
That make y'all uncomfortable? <laughs> I actually know what I'm going to say. I just waited an extra like four seconds just to see how it made the room feel. There, right now, this time of year, it's uh, you know, there's the saying of new year, new me. We know that, right? And by this standard, that statement is an enemy to God in our lives. Why? Because it's self-focused. It's all about me. No, no, no. It's got to be all about him. Does he know that I need to lose some weight? Yes, he does know that. Can he help me? Yes, if I will listen and make him my obsession, then he will tell me, don't eat those four cookies. Okay. Can I have one? Please, can I have one? Not today, but maybe tomorrow. Right? I'm just using common things for this time of, time of year, obviously. Jesus said, count the cost. There is a cost, man. It's, it's our lives. We have to lay it down. He has to become our obsession. We can no longer be our own obsession. Our families can no longer be our obsession. Our kids cannot be our obsession. He must be our obsession. That's a hard one. Our culture says, our culture right now is all about the kids. Dads and moms, specifically dads in the room, first of all, because I'm once, I'm going to talk to you. There's going to be times when we have to look at our kids and say, no. I really want to play. No. We're actually going to go serve some people. No. We're actually going to the, to the store, not to get you anything, but we're going to go find somebody else and get them something. We, we start living our lives for other people and we have to model that for our kids because right now in our culture with, well, my kid has to go to this practice. My kid's got to play this sport. My kid has to do this. My kid's got to go to this lesson. All these things. What are we teaching them? That this life is about them. That's what we're teaching them when we do that. That doesn't mean sports are bad. That doesn't mean lessons are bad. That doesn't mean that. What that means is that can't be the obsession. The obsession must be Jesus and living our lives for other people. That must be the obsession. And then we get to teach them, hey, when you go to baseball practice today and, if, and one of your teammates has, a, has a, a, a bad attitude, hey, go encourage them. Pick them up. When you strike out, don't throw your helmet, don't throw a fit. No, 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 you walk back with a smile on your face. I always heard that the key to hitting was a song in your heart and a smile on your face. It didn't work out for me. I'd, I tried, but it just did not, it didn't happen. I, I you know, struck out a lot. It's totally fine. What if we allowed Christ to redefine our lives? What would it look like? What would it look like if we just sat down and began allowing Jesus to tell, look, you can't do all this today, but start today, right? How do you start a new habit? You start. But don't try to do everything today. Don't try to do everything this week or this month. Start with one thing. God, what do I, what do I need to change in my life today that would allow me to, that would help me surrender more of my life to you? Just start there. What, um, what if we allowed him to redefine what success in life is? or what security is, or what love is? What if we allowed him to redefine what really is important in this life? What would our lives look like? I can tell you exactly what it would look like. Love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's what your life would look like. And I guarantee you, no matter what we're doing in life, we are searching for one of those or all of them. And I'm telling you, you can take this to the bank. The only way to find those is to surrender, lay it all down, and let him redefine everything. One step at a time. One step at a time. So I want to I pose this question. It's, there's only one point today. We, we could have left a long time ago. Um, the point is, he must be our magnificent obsession. So, uh, but I, you know, I, I've tagged you along this long, so let's keep going. This question, how can we begin to make him our magnificent obsession? Now, I've already given you some, some things that you possibly could do. But number one, we must answer this question. Are we committed to him alone? Are we committed to him alone? That's a question we all have to answer. And if I'm being honest, we got to answer that question every day. Sometimes every hour, sometimes moment by moment. Am I committed to him alone? Is, is he my first? Does he get to redefine everything? Does he get to tell me to do something or not to do something that I either don't want to do or do want to do? And for me to be able to say, okay, you're Lord. I'll do it your way. And we surrender and we lay it down. Are we committed to him? Have we counted that cost? And have we agreed to that cost? Our lives, everything. Have we, have we counted that cost? Because it's when we, when we, and you guys that have been following Jesus, you know this. There's going to be moments when it's hard. There's going to be moments that we fail. But there's going to be moments that's really hard. And it's in those moments that we have to, we have to look at what, what is going on. And we have to say, no, 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 I committed myself to him. And if he says this is what it is, then this is what it is. I gave him everything in my life. I gave him my kids. By the way, you gave, some of you gave him your kids. And it doesn't look like it right now. You gave him your kids. He loves them far more than you do. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep begging. God, you gotta, you gotta find them. You gotta look them in the eye. They gotta see you. Are we committed to him alone? Do we trust him? And then number two, it's very simple. If that is a yes, then we can go to the next one. Then he is where we start everything. Uh, we'll find that when we get busy doing what we need to do to seek him, we will have much less time for the things that tempt us away from him. When we start getting busy, and sometimes getting busy with Jesus is just sitting down. Sometimes getting busy and, 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 and doing the things God wants you to do looks a lot like rest and sitting and, and being with him and offering up praise. When we get busy doing the things that God wants us to do, we'll have a lot less time to do the other things that take us away from him. One of the ways here at Declaration um, that, that we do this time of year that is perfect for helping us in this is, and you've heard us talk about it, 21 days of prayer and fasting. We do it every January. It's an amazing season that we get to come together as a body 
and join in together in prayer and fasting. Fasting is super important. And you're going to get information about this and, and they've got ways that you can sign up for it on the website via text. Um, go to the Connection Center. They can help you with that. But 21 days, the next starting tomorrow, the next 21 days after that, every morning you can have devotionals and scriptures and, a, and songs, worship songs sent to you so that you can start every morning just like everybody else and give him the first part of our day. I'm convinced that how we start our day dictates the rest of the day. Convinced of it. I could give you story after story of myself on the days when I did really well and a lot of days when I didn't. And I can almost always point back to the first thing in the morning. What did I do or what did I not do? So this is an amazing way, an amazing time for us to come together in unity, joining together, reading the same words, reading the same scriptures. We're calling it 21 days of prayer and adoration. It's 21 days of just adoring Him. Enthroning Him on our praises, in our homes, in our workplace, in our car. You, you do not want to miss out on 21 days and joining together. Another way that we're going to do right now of adoring Him, of praising Him, of allowing thoughts of Him to just continually come into our mind is communion. Some call it Eucharist. Some call it Holy Sacrament. You can do this anywhere at any time, by the way. Whether you have bread and juice or whether you have uh, I don't know, something to eat and a Gatorade. doesn't really matter. It's, it's our opportunity to come together or alone and remember what Christ did. Here's what I'm going to do first. I'm going to give you some directions because we're going we're to try to make this, we're going to try to make it a little, a little easier for everyone to access. And I hope I get this right. They'll correct me if I don't. So, whatever section you're in. So if you guys are on this side, you guys are on this side, you're going to exit your aisles towards the curtains, okay? Outside sections, you're gonna come forward. So you're gonna go out that way and come forward. Middle sections, you're gonna go out that way and go to the back. We have four stations, two in the back, two in the front. And you're gonna move when you're ready. We'll, we'll go through all this here in a minute, but when you're ready, you're gonna come forward that way and then you'll go back up the aisle. Um, and in the back, you'll come down the middle aisle. And the idea is this, that, that we want to make sure that you have plenty of time with Jesus in this moment. So we want to leave this front. We're going to leave this front open. That's why we're going this way and that way and out that way and back down this way. So that this is open. I know that sounds, I know it's really confusing, but we have ushers to help. You're going to exit towards your curtain on your side. Middle sections are going to the back. Side sections are coming to the front and the rest will fill, fill in. Okay, we good? Ushers will help. And if the team members want to go to your, your places, you can, you can do that now. When, when Jesus 
was at the table at the Last Supper. <clears throat> he took the bread. And he said, this is my body. And it's broken for you. Take and eat. And then he took the cup. He said, this is my blood. It's poured out for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink and remember. And in fact, scripture tells us to do this often and remember. And that as often as we do it, we are proclaiming the death of Christ on the cross. Well, that doesn't sound encouraging. His death on the cross was his victory. His death on the cross is what allows us to, to come and have communion with him. And so the team's gonna lead us. And as they lead, the scripture is very clear that we wanna make sure that we don't take communion in an unworthy manner. I believe that's twofold. One, we wanna make sure we have surrendered our lives to Christ. That's number one. We wanna make sure we have surrendered our lives to Christ. So if you're in this room right now and you would say, Aaron, I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure that I have actually surrendered my life to Christ. Um, let's pray. Everybody close your eyes and let's pray. And if that's you, if you would say, I don't know that I've ever surrendered my life to Christ. You just, and, and you wanna do that right now. You just pray this simple prayer. Something like this, Jesus, and you can say this to yourself, you can say it out loud. Jesus, thank you for taking my place on the cross. I confess that I need you in my life. I confess that I have sinned and fallen short of how you created me to be. I surrender my life in this moment. Would you take my life and show me how to walk with you and how to live with you? Now, if you said that for the first time, every eye staying closed, if you said that for the first time, uh, would you raise a hand and keep it up? I just wanna know who, who I'm praying for. Okay. I believe it says, don't take it in an unworthy manner. I believe it means something else for those of us who have surrendered our lives to Christ. I believe, I believe that it, he's talking also about making sure that we are walking surrendered. That if we have anything against someone else, that we forgive them. That if we're walking in disobedience, we repent. And so I want to encourage you in this moment, as we begin to take communion, make sure, just take a moment. This is, this is not a long process. This is very quickly. You just ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything in me that I need to repent of? Is there anyone that I need to forgive? And if you bring someone to mind, then forgive them. And if you bring something to mind, then repent. Turn away, turn to him. And if you're in the room, every, everyone's invited to the table of Jesus. Everyone is. If you're in the room and you, you're not to the place of surrendering your life to Jesus, I just want to speak a blessing over you and ask you not, not to come because the table we must be surrendered to him to come to the table. And so I wanna speak this blessing over you that the Lord would show you his face, that the Lord would, would reveal himself to you. 
And I pray that for everyone else in the room as well, that the Lord would continuously reveal himself to us. Would you please stand? As the team leads us, take, take a moment. And when you're ready, then you guys can come forward. Remember, you're going to go to the outside. Outside sections are coming forward. Middle sections are going to the back. When you're ready, come forward and remember the victory that Jesus had on the cross and the place, the throne that he is in our lives. And that we get to remember and proclaim that victory. And may he be our obsession this year. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for checking us out online today. If you need to make a decision about the next steps in your faith journey with Jesus, text CONNECT to 43000. And if you took the first step in your faith journey today by saying yes to Jesus, we want to know about it. And we want to walk with you. So text JESUS to 43000. There you will find some resources and a message from Pastor John. There are so many ways to connect to Declaration. Check out declaration.org to find out more about who we are. Before we go, let's say our declaration together. Because of what the gospel has done in and to us, our lives exist to help people encounter and follow Jesus. We will devote ourselves to his word, his presence, and his people. We desire authenticity, intimacy, a heart of service, and to see his kingdom come. We are for Jesus and for people. Hey, have a great week. We're so glad you joined us. Bye for now.